Howdy, howdy, and thanks for checking out episode 63 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on this episode of the podcast, we feature part two of our conversation with Michael Stone. And in case you missed the first part of this interview, be sure to go back and listen to episode 62 of the podcast. And so in part two here, uh, Michael gets into his perspectives on running and swimming with a guide. Uh, he also talks about uh, the biathlon and some really cool adaptations in terms of competing in the biathlon as a blind athlete. And then finally, he discusses his guide dog and just some other really interesting observations and experiences that he's had uh, living with blindness. So let's go ahead and get running now with episode 63. Um, I know that there are a lot of philosophies on tethers, different materials, different things of that nature. Talk to me about what you find to be most effective in terms of, you know, whether it's swimming, running, uh, you know, with a guide and using a tether. You know, a lot of it is uh, you, you want tools. You want as many tools as you can have. And it, it, uh, so what does the race call for? What does the day call for? You know, so for example, in a lot of open water races uh, for swimming, I can, I'll just swim in a, a bump or a touch every now and again, you know, uh, and I'll just go that direction is fine. Um, I, I never liked swimming with a tether because I, it was always just sort of in the way, um, sure. you know, at, at some point, um, I mean, I've had other people get wrapped up in it. Uh, and even when it's not and or, or, or it pushes us a little too close and we, you know, it's, it just, it becomes kind of a nuisance. So I prefer not to, but then again, I've been in some very rough water swims, you know, on that particular day that swimming untethered was, you know, relatively unsafe and using the bump technique or whatever it was, uh, even though I did it, but it, it just, it, it, I think we would have been better off if we just had the tether. So again, like if that, if it was flat water as it was supposed to, I think it would have been fine. And you just kind of swim outside the field and, you know, and it works quite well. I've had, I had one guy that used to do the exterior races with me that he, but he would be kind of like a linebacker for me. He would like push people out of the way <laughs> and, and such, but I've broken my nose a couple of times and swims and it's not fun. And um, yeah, actually got a concussion once as well. Uh, but the, uh, uh, just from getting hit in the back of the head, but that, that had nothing to do with my sight issue uh that was just uh somebody super aggressive that was behind us and just that was it but um but with running um again waist tethers uh hand tethers different kinds of tethers different materials but a lot of it also depends like on on the guy you know to me i don't want to be yanked around it's just it's on right. it's on it's on unpleasant um but if it's really narrow and lots of turns, getting the, the calling out the turns. I mean, some people are really great at it. They'll say, okay, you've got a hard right in three, two, one. And on one, I am turning, but they better have one. One better be the turn, you know, and uh, <laughs> because otherwise something's going to happen. But I know actually, I mean, I find that um, being audibly guided, and I know a lot of us. You know, people with ushers and other things that, you know, there's lots of us in the vision impaired world that also have hearing loss. So, uh, you know, being audibly guided may not always make the most sense. Um, and I, I certainly want to be sensitive to that. It's, it's not just one way. Um, and, 
but I, I, I have lots of different tethers uh, that I will use based on the conditions, the, the, the guide and how I'm feeling. Uh, and we try to, and we try to practice it on that, on that, but I did the New York city marathon uh, three years ago or two and a half years ago uh, with a guy that I had never run with before. And um, you know, it was so congested at the beginning with the tether. I was like, let's just, you know, I'm just going to hold on to this thing and we're going to run. And, uh, but you know, when you get closer to the end, when it's, you know, you're in central park and there's people everywhere, it's not as safe and having the tether is actually kind of nice. Not to mention you're really tired. Um, right. Yeah. And that was a, and that's a hand tether where I just, you know, I hold it in my hand and the, uh, and the guide holds his hands with the, the shorter distance in between, um, you know, but sometimes I'll use it as, you know, depending on the person inches to a couple of feet. Interesting. Yeah. You know, let's uh, dive a little further into winter sports. I know you did touch on skiing, uh, cross country skiing. I know you've also done uh, biathlon, which I'm really fascinated about. Yeah. And just talk to me a little more about how you got into, uh, you know, the adaptive versions of those activities. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, cross-country skiing is, is, is two parts to it. You've got your classic cross-country, which visually impaired people like because you're actually in tracks. Um, you know, there's just tracks that are made by a certain kind of, um, of a groomer, a snowplow, if you will, that, you know, are, are you know, if, if people could picture, you know, maybe hip weight, hip, hip shoulder uh, apart and your skis go in these tracks and just snow. And it's a very linear, it's almost like running on the snow with skis and there's these, these grips that you have. And then there's skate skiing, uh, which are also skinny skis, um, uh, you know, as opposed to downhill and, and, and where you're, you know, again, like classic runs, you're, you're the motor. Uh, it's not about gravity necessarily. And, and you're, you're, you're working, but it's a skating motion. So if people could picture us an ice skating motion where you're moving your, your, uh, legs out laterally to propel you forward and that is magical for me and i love it and that and skate skiing is what we use in biathlon which is involves a shooting component and we'll get to that i'm sure but i i actually was shocked to find that there'd be a sport that i would love more than say swimming biking running and that in fact is uh you know is has been nordic skiing and Nordic is, is, is cross country divided into those two parts, skate and, and classic. And then the third is biathlon, which is a skate uh, plus shooting. And, um, I, you know, here I am living in Colorado and I, I was doing everything I can to avoid the winters, uh, not because of the cold, but because of the, uh, the limiting factor of being, you know, visually impaired you're, you're not walking as much. You're having to navigate ice. Uh, it's, it's, you're, you're finding yourself at home. And when I was biking, I was biking on indoor trainers. I was like, everybody's going off and doing these ski days and weekends. And I, I really felt like I was missing something, but I really didn't want to get in, get on the chairlift as much anymore. The idea of paying a small fortune uh, to get, I'm not, I'm not knocking it because it is wonderful and it is liberating. Um, but to, you know, go up on a chairlift, ski down, go back up, ski down. I did that growing up and it was wonderful. And I, and I, but, I, but I worked very hard to become, uh, physically fit and, uh, and the idea of, of, for me to 
be able to ski up a mountain like you can with the cross-country skis is far more uh, yeah, exciting for me. And you're getting all the great uh, enjoyment of, of pretty much everything. I mean, obviously, turning's a little different on these kinds of skis. But I, I started to, uh, you know, a friend of mine back in, I think it was 2009, 2008, actually, took me out. Uh, and that, that's where... Um, you know, also led me to being open to adaptive sports and being guided uh, because it worked very well. He took me to a place, he, he guided me through it, and, and um, then that led to other things. But um, it was by sheer coincidence that I, I have a, uh, a bike shop here in Boulder, Colorado, and, and I've had it for a better part of 12 years. And, and um, it was specifically more of a triathlon on retail store but for me it was just a way to, to interact with the community you know when uh because you know uh, when i the theme of when i was working on inv the book inv was all the people that i interviewed for this book you know it's just a collective of 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 vignettes of other people who's who were coping with sight loss and the theme was you gotta get your butt out of the house um a day becomes a week a week becomes a month uh, and a month becomes a year. And before you know it, you're spending more time, you know, on the couch or, or whatever it was. And, um, you really do have to get out and interact to stay healthy. It's, and, and that's sure. what the store was for me. But, uh, this young woman, um, who, uh, uh, was dealing with a neurological challenge, uh, came in with a friend who was a full length amputee to get bike fits. And they were both telling me that, they're yeah the, yes they're they're triathletes but they're also nordic skiers and uh this her her name is kendall actually this woman she's what they would call a sit skier and she's she just won a whole bunch of gold medals amongst other things she's kind of a superhuman um and uh you know without the use of her legs uh mm. just does uh, she's just she's just a rock star um and uh you know, she, she just did both Olympics this past year and, um, you know, she just continues to, you know, I, I, I don't know how she does that, the thing she does, but, uh, she, she put me in touch with the, the coaches, uh, for the U S Nordic ski team. And they were kind enough to let this old guy, uh, be a part of it. And they include me and, and have been wonderful. Um, yes, they're trying to develop more and more, uh, uh, athletes, interestingly enough, the visually impaired segment, you know, the participants in visually impaired is the smallest of all the para sports. And mm. it's, it's amazing to me. That's the case because, you know, I, I mean, we should go find out today. We could probably count how many visually impaired people went out and did the Boston marathon today. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's incredible. There could be hundreds of people in some of these races that do this stuff. Yet, when it comes to certain aspects of skiing, they're few and far between. And uh, it's it's a little heartbreaking because I have found it so liberating. I mean, you're literally dancing on the snow. It's extremely tactile. There are no tethers needed. Um, and you're, you're going completely off of audible cues. And it's spectacular. And it has been... Uh, it's one, been one of the most liberating and independent senses I've ever had is, is being able to go out and do that. And uh, the guides can only do so much. 
So when you add in the biathlon component, which is actually shooting, no, no, they do not give us bullets, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> these are audible sighted uh, guns. They look and feel just like any any rifle that they use in biathlon. And, and so in, in, in the sighted world, these, these people ski with these rifles on their back. They come in, uh, they, they ski in, in their varying distances. And, uh, and mind you, the distances I do are, are, are you know, are the, anywhere from, you know, say 10 K up to full marathons. So 42 K 26 miles. And, uh, but in the biathlon there, there are shorter races, maybe 10 K where you ski, you shoot, you ski and you shoot and you keep on doing it, but you're, you're, you're working very, very hard, but your guide will bring you to where your rifle is. You drop down, you put the headphones on and, uh, and you're guided by audible, um, tones. And it's, uh, but it's a very fast paced, uh, endeavor, but it's, it is pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, uh, and then you get up, you ski another lap. If you miss a shot, you get five shots. You have to do a, a shorter penalty loop, um, and which adds time, but it's, it is absolutely, uh, uh, just, it, it, it is spectacular. And I would love, you know, certainly anybody listening to this who wants to learn more, um, even yes, you people down in Florida and all that, we can, we can work that out. Uh, you won't be, um, doing much of that down there, but, um, uh, but you can do it. Um, and we're going to, we're going to be holding more and more camps this year because we really do want to recruit more people into it. It's kind of my personal, uh, desire, uh, and, 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 we, and you could do them recreationally. You don't have to be uh, geared towards competition. You can literally go sure. out and just enjoy it. There's not everything has to be uh, competitive. Um, but I will tell you the camaraderie of being on a team and the support is wonderful. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is, it's pretty wonderful. Awesome. Very cool. And what a, what a unique little spin, you know, with the biathlon, uh, and how that's so accessible. I mean, that's so, so neat. There's a rifle that's made for blind people. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I, I mean, and, and, and you, it's, it's really, it's really amazing. And it's actually the way it's set up. Um, having sight is actually works against you. Um, hmm. The, the target is about 10 meters away. So well beyond anyone who with legal blindness, you know, that, that, that can see it. Um, and, uh, you, and, and you put these headphones on and you get, you know, it's kind of a, uh, you're getting like a thump sound, a thump, 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 thump. And as you get closer, it gets faster, thump, 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 thump. And then you get a tone. And then, and as you get even closer and the target is, you know, the size of maybe a dime, maybe a little bit bigger than that. And then you get to, you try to get to a highest tone. And you shoot at that tone, but you have to have all the same shooting skills that you would be if you're sighting it with your with your eyes. And you can't jerk the trigger or anything like that. You have to have all the same skills. You're just using your hearing. And uh, and uh, you know, let's face it. Uh, you know, we we survive for those of us who are lucky enough to have our hearing um, on that. I mean, that's how we cross the street. You know, you know, we don't. Yeah. yeah. It's, it always cracks me up when, you know, I'm standing there with a cane or my guide dog and those, somebody will say, you know, the walk sign's not on. I'm like, yeah, but traffic's going in that direction. I'm going, you know, and, and <laughs> it's like, what, what possible good? They're, they didn't even think about that for a second. Like, yeah, right. right. The, the walk sign's not on because nobody hit the button, 
you know, uh, and, and, but we, but we listen for the traffic. We are, we're very acute with it and that's how we survive. Um, and we respond to things. And if something sounds dangerous, we stop, we assess where it's coming from and we move on. So we, we we're, it's something we're already inherently good at. So anyways, it's pretty cool. Oh yeah. would love to explore that myself someday. Yeah. Well, if you ever wanted to, and I'll, I'll put this out to you or any of your listeners, is that uh, I can literally put the like an ear pod in and then put the headphones over it. And you can hear what it sounds like, uh, and you can literally start to you know work through imagery to to picture yourself shooting. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but of course, I would love for people to try it in person. Um, but yeah, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. But of course, just just going out and skiing is pretty darn cool as well. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, just a couple other things here before we wrap up. Uh, so I know that uh, you have had quite a few different hobbies, you know, in addition to sports. Uh, I've read about uh, your interests in painting, uh, obviously musical interests, and anything on those two fronts that you'd like to mention. Sure, thank you. Um, well, our music's been with me since I was a little kid. Uh, it got introduced to me and I just loved sound. Uh, and, and then I just became very intrigued with all the musical instruments and uh, starting at my, you know, piano lessons that my parents had me get into and then uh, my brothers as well. And, and, um, and then eventually played a whole bunch of the band instruments and then eventually guitar and guitar was, that became my baby and still is um, while I've learned, I've learned the violin and, and other things over the years, but um, and it's still, I mean, uh, to this day at, at 50 years old, I'm, I'm loving, uh, loving the guitar and, and, and music and arguably I'm a much better at it. Uh, once I stopped trying to have a visual component to it, uh, and just, hmm. just sat back and, and played. Um, um, but art was interesting because, uh, I had never thought the idea of putting a, like a, a brush to canvas, uh, why would I do something like that? You know, and uh, it was, I was uh, visiting, I was in Santa Fe, I think it was around 2009. And uh, my friend who was with me, we were going on to these, all, all these art galleries. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Like, I, I, it does, it, it's, it, and I'm like, but you know what? What I really want is just color on my walls. So when I came home, a friend's, uh, my friend's mom, who was a, a, a an artist took me over and we bought all the supplies. She came over to my house, sat down and she said, paint. I'm like, I don't even know how to paint to hold a paintbrush. Just paint. <laughs> so I painted and I didn't know what I was doing, but I started, I, I, I was kind of obsessed. And this is going to, for any of you who have a, a retinal degenerative uh, disease, you know, um, and you could remember what a retina looks like. Um, it was, it was intriguing that year after year watching the color of the retina change. So it starts out where it's red, then it's sort of this yellowish kind of thing to white, you know, this, this progression of, as we lose uh, our, our, you know, the, the pigments, if you will, our photoreceptor cells. So I started to try in my head to paint that. These were my first, my first painting was, and everybody's like, Oh my God, that's a beautiful sunset. And I'm like, yeah, sure it is. <laughs> it's uh no, I was trying to do the human retina. And um the problem uh that I had was is that uh it wasn't very tactile. 
So uh, another friend of mine says, you know, you can, you can put stuff on your, on your canvas that'll make, you can, you can feel it. Um, and then, and that's what I did. So I started to make, you know, kind of paste it on there and sculpt various different kinds of clays and, and gels and sand and, you know, all these little beads and it gave it a, a texture to it. And then I would let it dry and I'd put my hands on it and then I'd put the paintbrush and it would kind of gear it and, and uh, based on that. And then that way also blind people could put their hands on it. Uh, eventually when I, when people were really putting their hands on it, I started to put braille messages in them and it would be mm. funny because people would just start cracking up, especially the little kids that could read braille, uh, you know, cause I would put little things like unicorn in there and, and, you know, they just start giggling and their parents and everybody are like, what are you laughing at? It's, it says unicorn. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, and, and uh, maybe a little, little, you know, more meditative type. Uh, sayings like let it go and all kinds of things you know that became real popular in that movie uh, frozen all these kids were That's running right. around singing you know so it's uh uh you know and then but you know let's let it go well it's, it's what we got to do it's how we how we survive but yeah those are those are are, are, are some of my uh, bigger hobbies i try to keep on doing whatever um i can um, my greatest passion, though, these days has been really um, in support and advocating for people with disabilities in general, but, you know, primarily people with, with vision impairments, because I can re relate to it more, and, um, and, and uh, helping them develop their own meditation uh, programs. Uh, I went back to school uh, in the, with the intent of becoming a therapist, but only wanting to work pro bono. Um, and uh, I, uh, in my interview, they asked me what my formal meditation practice was. And I, I like, well, I run, I play the guitar, I, you know, like all these things, the exact opposite of what's supposed to be meditation. You know, it's supposed to be like, you're not doing something, you're just focusing on your breath. Now, while those other things can be very mindful, um, you know, in our cases, blindful, um, and uh, we... Uh, I, I started to look into it and I learned that, no, you, you know, actually, you know, give, we have to give ourselves timeouts all the time. And I think if we really learn how to focus on our breath and, and gear, you know, uh, you know, time a day, maybe multiple times a day to slow things down and just breathe, we can really um, have a, have a more profound attitude uh, towards living with vision loss and it opens up other horizons. Um, it allows us to be able to go on out and do some of these sports and, and all that, because we live with a lot of anxiety. Uh, it's scary sure. out there. It's a scary world out there. And, and, uh, and so I, I really am, am found trying to find ways to incorporate that. You know, it's, it's kind of like help people help themselves, uh, things. Cause that's, that's, I think how, how, how we get by. And I think that that is really, uh, really what is has been sort of the theme, which is you know how 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 do you do this? And um, you know I think these days you know people are using a lot of these meditation apps and and such, but they really are in many ways geared towards people that are fully abled. And I think that there's probably something in there for those of us to 
uh, to, to focus on, but I don't know. And I think it's, you know, the camaraderie, like that we talked about at the beginning, the fact that Greg, you and I are on the, on the, on this call together and, you know, guys like Dan and, uh, Dan Berlin, you know, that we get to, we, you know, we get to participate and we just sort of get each other. I mean, you and I've never physically met yet, you know, we, we have some idea of what each other's experience is without even knowing, well, not that many human beings get that, that, that kind of connectivity. Um, True. you know, for us, I think it's pretty cool. And obviously you being able to, you going out and doing these things, uh, in your, with your podcast amongst other things, it's just, it's spectacular. And you are, cause you're, you're, you're helping people, you're serving and you're, and you're doing good things. And, um, and you know, who knows what'll come out of it. Um, I just have found that, that, uh, meditation really helps us get to another level of of living with uh, vision loss and being able to experience a great many things. If uh, you know, because I think we live in this I can't world because the world says you can't. Um, you know, if I would have listened to the doctors that said you shouldn't, you really shouldn't be doing this. Well, I wouldn't have gone out and done a lot of those things. Um, I had to find out the right way to do it. Um, and, and I think that that's where advocacy really comes in. And that's where I, I, I'm, I'm in my happy places advocating for others. And, um, you know, it's, I, I have no interest in competing, uh, really against others. It doesn't, it, you know, that lasts about a millisecond. Um, what, uh, but it is fun to get, you know, to really, uh, celebrate the start line with people that are going through the same thing you are. Exactly. Very well said, and I appreciate that perspective. Um, I do know that you do have a, a guide dog you mentioned, uh, and would love for you to give a shout out to you know your your dog's school and dog's name and just your relationship with your dog. Yeah, Geo. Geo is my my guide dog. Geo is pretty uh, extraordinary. As are uh, the people who raised her, and uh, she came from Guiding Eyes for the Blind. Um, uh, Thomas Panic. Uh, who was retinitis pigmentosa is the president and CEO of guiding eyes for the blind. And he's an avid runner and he, he really wanted to have a guide dog uh, school that, that not only catered to your, to your everyday needs of, of a guide dog, but one that to, that will run with us. And let's face it. A lot of these dogs have a lot of energy. They, they want to run and he found a way to, to, take certain dogs, only dogs that wanted to do it and see if they could apply guiding to faster paces. Uh, so, you know, a dog like Geo, she's got two paces. She's got her walking pace, which is about, I think it's right around four miles an hour. Uh, maybe it's a little bit faster than that sometimes. Um, and then her running pace, which is, you know, in the sevens. And, uh, uh, so seven minute miles and, and so forth, depending on the day, if she's feeling like uh, she could be a little bit like Seabiscuit, uh, she wants to get up there <laughs> and, and beat everybody. Uh, but she'll also ski with me too. And uh, yeah, which is, we've, which is also pretty extraordinary, but yeah. Um, you know, the guide dog is, there's no relationship quite like it. And I don't think I would have, I've been around guide dogs now, uh, other people's guide dogs for 17 years but it wasn't until I got mine just over two years ago that I really had a clue. Um, you know, just like most things you live with a, a, a bit of ignorance and naivety and that, that said, you know, these people are, are getting, you know, 
what, what it feels like to be guided around, but it isn't until you, uh, you have your first time and you hold onto that harness and you say forward, which has so much profound, uh, meaning if you think about it, you know, people say forward all the time and all of a sudden you're walking at a pace that you would never walk at with a cane and you are, you know, you, you're going and, and you've got your, your instructor that's saying, go with her, go with her. And you're, and you're just letting go and whatever happens, happens. And the next thing you know, you're, you're a team and, uh, there's, there really is no relationship like it. Um, she and I traveled yesterday. Uh, we went to go visit my family for the holiday weekend and, you know, we, we were going through the airport and, you know, here she is at my, at, at my feet on the, on the plane. And, and I'm like, this is, this is amazing. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, to have this companion, um, it's, you know, there's, it's, it's spectacular. So my gratitude, yeah, as you said, a shout out towards uh, Guiding Eyes for the Blind is, is beyond words. Um, they're doing extraordinary things and, you know, my heart is out to them to have to, to manage the pandemic and uh, they weren't able to place dogs and all the, it was just, just such a, such a difficult time. Um, but they're doing such great things uh for for our world and great things for people who want to be athletic uh the fact that you can have a running guide is pretty amazing uh and i and those of you who are desirous i'd highly encourage uh to apply absolutely yeah and i have had the chance to speak with several others uh you know that have gotten dogs from guiding eyes and specifically the running guides program and you know i'd love to see other schools kind of jump on board and, and offer uh, similar opportunities because it's such a unique concept and I feel like could get more blind and visually impaired people out there, you know, with that type of, of specially trained dog too. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's pretty wonderful. She's a yellow Labrador, um, you know, but she is, uh, and she is, uh, she's got a sense of humor. My, my girl, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, it's funny. There's times where she'll just start slowing down and I'm, I'm, frustrated because it's you know like you know what, what are we doing and all she's doing is she all she wants me to do is egg her on to run fast and next thing you know we're running at paces i have no business running at you know sub six minute miles you know maybe for short distances you know a couple minutes at a time but she is just she's just going for it and uh and it's you know every run is a is a you know, it's such a funny word I know, but in German, I think it means speed play. So you're, you know, you're going slow, you're going fast, you're going slow, you're going fast, you're going faster, faster, slower, 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 you know, you're all over the place. So, um, you know, Richard Hunter, who was one of the first uh, in the program, um, he, you know, I was, you know, he told me he was only basically running 10K with his dog. And so six miles and I'm like, what? And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like a warm up, you know, you know, that was right. you know, this, this little attitude. I'm like, I, I was very scared until I got behind the wheel. And I realized that running with a, a service dog is such a different uh, experience. Um, and, uh, you know, that you can get a lot out of a three mile run, a four mile run or a, a five mile run. And, and, you know, in the old days, you know, you, just, you wouldn't even think of going out. You know, it's like, why bother? You know, and that, that was very arrogant attitude, um, you know, because let's face it, one mile for a lot of people is is huge. Um, sure. So, but 
Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty spectacular. So now I now that I have this guide dog, I appreciate going out for a three mile run and a four mile run or whatever it is. It's like you know, today we went out for four and a quarter or something like that, and I couldn't have been happier. That's awesome. So cool. All right. So again, our guest has been Michael Stone here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports. And uh, Michael, just want to thank you so much for your time. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, and I feel like we could chat for hours here. Yeah, um, sorry for but... talking your ear off. I, you you asked no, such great questions, <laughs> and, and and this is such a special thing because it's it's so rare that you know you get to be interviewed by somebody who who gets you, you know, somebody who who uh, has it, and it's such a privilege. I mean, you're you know, I want to thank you for all the wonderful things you're doing for 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 our, our community and and that's uh anybody who understands how profound that word is our and community um but you're doing great things and i and just wanted to say thank you hey that means a lot i really appreciate that and uh yeah so again best of luck to you on you know your future runs and and endeavors competitions and certainly look forward to following uh your future path uh, likewise thank you very much greg Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.com.